0: Again, I'm the senior pastor, and actually before we get into this this kind of talk, I just want to do a little promo myself, and that's that this autumn we are going to be looking at a series, a new sermon series called Deeper. Some of you remember last year we did something called The Big Story, where we looked at the Bible as a book. We we said, well, what is this we're dealing with? And we, we learned that it was a library, not just a novel that you read from cover to cover. It's actually a complete library in one book, and there were a whole host of things we drew out of that. During the the autumn season, and uh, there was an accompanying book which we sold on the bookstall, and that was called a big story. And many of you, many of you bought that. Well, uh, in this desire to go deeper and to find out more about what we actually believe and what a you know truly devoted follower of Jesus looks like, we're going to be doing a series called Deeper. And there is an accompanying book. It's not called Deeper. It's called Truly Devoted and uh, Fully Devoted. Sorry. And um, that will be available next week. We're actually having to ship them in from overseas because the uh, warehouse didn't have enough here, so we're really hoping and praying they'll be on the bookstore next weekend when we launch the series. But uh, this book is a great thing to, to have this autumn as we as we try, both as individuals, but in, in life groups, small groups, and uh, as a body of believers, just to try and get a bit more of a handle dig deeper into this whole thing we call faith. So that's coming up. A bit of a heads up for you. It is a, I, I've been looking at it for about six weeks. Now. It's a great, a great little way of, of just using in your own personal life, you know, when you manage to snatch a few moments to kind of, you know, do a little bit of study reading or thinking about your faith. It's ideal for that, but it's also got enough meat and, and, and uh, structure to be a great aid in our life groups. We have many of our life groups, we'll, we'll take it on music. So there you are, next weekend we're beginning with that. Right, let me just pray, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you again, because uh, you are our Savior. We thank you, Lord God, that on this day when we celebrate marriage, when we celebrate uh, dedication, when we celebrate baptism, we, we are mindful, Lord God, of the extraordinary lengths that you went to in your son Jesus. No idea. We, we had no idea that you knew us, let alone loved us, and would lay your life down for us. But that being the case, and as we begin to unpack the extraordinary lengths that you have gone to to save us, we want to say up front, thank you, Lord. We can't wait to hear more, we can't wait to know. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And if if, if, if people forget everything else I might say over these next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, let me just remember, please, that Jesus is the Savior. We ask it all in His name. Amen. Amen. This has been a, quite a week, hasn't it? I, I, I don't know about you, but I got cut, sort of caught up in this whole Chilean rescue mission. H- how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Well. well hey, Because I was talking to uh, somebody on Thursday, and they didn't know anything about it. I was absolutely staggered. I think it was all the more staggering, because somehow or other, it's kind of caught my imagination. And I I found myself on Wednesday, would you believe it, up until the wee small hours, just just aching to see the first minor brought out of that mine. But, But not everybody seems to be aware. Christianity you know, it's, Christianity is the largest and fastest growing religion in the world, in spite of what you may have heard or what you thought. That is a fact. That is a fact. It's growing the fastest in what we now call the two-thirds world. It is absolutely ripping away. A- and people like me, because I, I wasn't born a Christian. Or, uh, I was talking to Hayley, who's being baptized as, I mean, you know, said that always a Christian, and I said, well, just like me, I wasn't birthed a Christian, I wasn't grow, didn't grow up in a Christian family, and you know, we didn't go along to Mass, or, or anything like that, I didn't do Christmas, Easter, or anything like that, we were just completely devoid of it, and it wasn't until I was in my twenties that suddenly I began to hear about this, and, and I got, I don't know, I got intrigued by it, and, and suddenly, you know, you begin to um, understand a little bit of what, that God actually knows you, and and. And actually doesn't despise you, which I think I thought he did. If, he, if there was a God, I thought he probably wouldn't have anything to do with me, and I neither him. It was entirely reciprocal, you know. But actually the reality was that not only does he know me, but he loves me enough to lay down his life for me. And so I, I've been st- struck by that. I'm still working it out now, and I've been at it for 30 years, and I found myself leading a church. And would you believe I'm still on path. extraordinary thing that Jesus has done for us. But this week, those Chilean miners, those rescuers, they did an extraordinary thing. Someone has described what they did there at the San Jose mine as the Apollo 13 of the mining world. Now some of you, you'll know exactly what I mean by that or what they meant by that. But for those of you who didn't, In the the, the 60s and 70s, there were a number of moon shots, and that's well known. And the Americans sent these these Apollo rockets up there with three guys usually in a capsule. Apollo 13, I don't know if there was any significance about the number, but it makes you think, doesn't it? That went wrong. And there was an explosion when they were on the way to the moon. And they knew that something bad had happened, but they didn't realize how bad until one of them something venting, sort of something blowing out, that was their oxygen, but it got worse. They were short of water, they were short of power, they were short of air, they were short of everything, and suddenly as the, the, the magnitude of this disaster dawned on them and on the folks back down there at NASA, in you know, the, the, the the space agency place, they began to work the problem. Film with Tom Hanks, Apollo 13. As many of you know, they they actually managed to bring them back with bits of duct tape and cardboard, strapping things up, and they saved them. It was the most extraordinary thing. It was almost a bigger achievement than getting people on the moon, getting them back from the moon. It was Apollo 13, and for many people, it is absolutely synonymous with America at its best The San Jose mine on on August the 5th has been described as the Apollo 13 of the mining world. Nothing anywhere has been been attempted by it. And just to fill you in on the background, because the background is stagnant, it was a small mine, back end of nowhere, operating semi-legally, mining copper and that will just sort of always be, always resonate with miners from now on. There was a rock fall. And when I say a rock fall, I mean that's very common, to be honest. But when I say a rock fall, I mean a rock fall. 700,000 tons of granite fell into the tunnel and separated a bunch of miners As I said, operating semi-legally, coming callers here and there, tried to sort of find out, you know, whether there was anything going on, and, and soon they appealed to the, the government because, suddenly, relatives and friends and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters came from nowhere and started camping around the, the head of the mine, waiting for news in desperate state, and before long they had to appeal to the government because. Mind Commons resources were most definitely finite. So the government moved in and they started piercing the ground with these probes at at, at strategic points where they thought if anyone saved, if anyone was sort of to be found, that's probably where they would be. So they started piercing the ground. Meanwhile, on the surface, a vigil started. A vigil that seemed to catch the world's attention flags were erected, and one or two TV crews arrived with their satellite dishes, and, and suddenly the whole thing caught people's imagination, that there had been a terrible disaster in a, in a semi-legal mind, and something would have be done about this, but well we all know what happened on the 17th day, as they sent down yet another probe into a possible Would be found alive. This is what they saw. Those eyes. Fiber optic. Little umbilical cord threaded down through the message to the end of the probe and they pulled the probe out and it said oh well 33 of us alive and the world went mad suddenly what had been a, you know, a page 6 article in the national newspapers was front page 33 people alive after 17 In the semi-dark, with a a temperature of 30 plus, 40 degrees, 85% humidity. It was a wonder that anyone survived. They lived on two days of rations for 17 days. There were miners down there who'd been in the mines for 40, 50 years and were considering retirement. One chap, Jimmy Sanchez. 19 years old, five months a minor, trapped down there, terrified, terrified. Well, as you know, then, suddenly, everything kicked in. The media came in by by the flipping boatload. The whole hill was clustered with with satellite dishes, and and the camps grew and they set up medical centers and schools for the kids because the kids weren't going to school, and a a, a whole community uh, built up around them. They started sending water and medication and food down this, this little pipe, threading it down, threading it down, while they considered how to get these guys out. In relatively short order, relatively short order, three great, not one, but three great drilling rigs came in. They started to dig down through the granite, 700 meters, 700 meters. There was a race on. They shipped experts in from North America. People, experts in all fields from all over the world were shipped in. It became international. The people of Chile themselves who had been through all sorts of, 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 of military coups on the Pinochet and all the rest of it. They began to unite and they began to pray they began to pray. And even the president spoke of their faith. Mario Gomez, one of the leaders of this group underground, sent a message up to the rescuers urging them to show patience. Psychologists came and they started talking and, and trying to counsel them and I found them to be in extraordinarily good health. Physically, there were some problems. There was, you know, two or three of the older miners had you know, um, that lung problem. What's it called? Psychosis. Psychosis, thank you. And they were having a bit of a hard time with it. Many of them had high blood pressure, many of them had rather bad dental problems as well. Formed themselves into a community where faith was central. Where faith was central. The older men looked after the younger men and reassured them. And that's how they got through 17 days when there was no content, no, no hope, seemingly. They kept themselves together. Learning how to love one another in extraordinary circumstances. history. It was actually Drill B, rather romantic name. You they thought they'd come up with something better. Drill B was the one that broke through first. Something about that sort of size. Slightly under a meter. Through a great, great big borehole and came through. Amazing the skill of these miners that they can steer these things and break through just where they wanted it to be. First of all, of course, they had to line it, and then they wheeled it out. Phoenix 1, 2, and there was a third one, apparently, in waiting. Phoenix 2, great big car tube of a thing. You saw it, didn't you? And it had to be that long. It had to be very, very long, because in certain places, they, they broke through old, old galleries. And in order for the thing to slot neatly into the hole on the other side of the gallery, it had to be that long. So it had to you know, be, be sort of going into the new hole before it left the old hole. Meanwhile, the miners themselves had not been idle. They'd actually mounted their own rescue mo- mission. They didn't know that there were set 100,000 tons of granite entombing them, but they were wise enough to know that they won't be able to dig themselves out. But somebody remembered that There was actually supposed to be an escape, an escape route out, a ladder. Can you imagine that? A ladder? A 2,000-meter ladder? So some of the thinner ones tried that. It went up about a third of the way. Those of us who could stomach it stayed up, and I was one of them. Stayed up until they finally were ready to start bringing these men out. And funnily enough, one of the most haunting images beyond this one, which I think is the most haunting image. But for me, in my mind's eyes, captured the image of the, of the first rescuer. Because they sent, in, in the end, six miners down to help the miners get into this capsule. It was a narrow thing. You saw it. It was like a, a cage, a coffin even. And I remember um, getting ready to send the first rescuer down Who would go all the way down to help the guys get into these things. They had to get into a bioharness with air and heart monitoring and various other things. And I remember he got in, and we were just about to close the gate, and I saw a flicker of fear in his eyes. This guy was a seasoned miner, but this was no mean feat that this guy was going to do. Get into a cigar-shaped coffin and be lowered 700 meters down into a place where men were dying. There's a flicker of fear as the reality. tumultuous welcome, a tumultuous welcome, and then suddenly they're, they're popping up, the second guy, he was a character, came up kind of singing, look at him, he came up with a, a bag, a carrier bag of rocks as a present, gave one to the president, the president didn't quite know what to do with it actually, he ran across to his fellow miners and led them in a great rousing cheer, Cheer cheer Lee! Interview shortly after forty minutes later, when because he was so so energized they interviewed him, he was a bit of a showman this guy, but he said, "The devil had me." And clockwork regularity. It was an impressive operation. They started drawing these men out one by one. Little Jimmy Sanchez, 19 years old, I mentioned him. is a rebirth for me. I've been born again. And I, funnily enough, I was, those of you who saw it you'll remember, they had this camera at the foot of the shaft and, and the men would get into these things and they'd be strapped in and then this thing would be jerked up. And it, it was like, if you don't mind me saying it, was like going to the birth canal. I thought of that. It's like going to the this great hawser that, that bounced a little bit because it stretched. And finally, they emerged, born again. And I knew this was, was coming up, this baptism. I mean, I've i been sort of living the whole week thinking about this message and thinking about that. And I just thought, this is an extraordinary example and illustration. These men, died, been written off. Before this event, if you'd ask any mining expert, what were the chances of a miner caught over half a mile underground behind 700,000 tons of granite? What were his chances? They would have had to have said, without precedent, And their lives back. They have a new opportunity. They'll know joy again. They'll know the embrace of their loved ones, the companionship of their friends and their colleagues. They'll know what it is to wake up and smell the fresh air instead of the putrid air of a womb-like thing in the very bowels. theme too. In fact, curiously enough, this was a major theme in Jesus' teaching, our hero, our rescuer. You know, Jesus, in John's memoirs, which are part of the library, remember, he gets visited one night by a religious leader, a very important man. It's interesting that the guy meets him at night because he, he doesn't want to be seen as associating with, with this Jesus a very simple question. He's a very intelligent man, a very articulate man, a very, a very well-respected man. But he gets straight straight to the love He basically asks Jesus, realizing that just performing relig- religious religious rites doesn't do anything for you. But he says to Jesus, he says, "Jesus, I know you have the heart of God." Almost <laughs> like saved. I leave these people but I feel like I don't know a thing. What, what, what can I do? And Jesus came back with a, an answer that shocked him. Jesus said, you must be born again. And this guy Nicodemus, he said, Born again. You, you can't go into your mum's womb and come. I'm trying to speak plainly here, and you're talking in riddles. What do you mean with we've born again? And Jesus teaches him, says to him that actually we have to die to self. Of course, at that point, no one knew that Jesus himself was our rescuer. No one at that point because it was still to come, that Jesus himself, the Son of God, God himself, was going to go to the cross at Calvary and in doing so, he would die for the sin, the sin that weighs heavily upon you and me. The shame, the regret, that stuff that we'd really rather not think about, that stuff that still, on a bad day, will come and haunt us. If we wake up early while it's still dark and the house is quiet, some reason we can't get back to sleep, those night terrors that come upon us, those what-if questions, those, oh, dear, did I really, do? did I really, I can't believe I did. These things that we spend a lot of our life trying to self-medicate and run from and live up and, run and live away from, when that stuff comes at the weight of that, do you know, 700000 See, that stuff, that stuff ladens on the shame by the spade load. I was watching a rather, rather seedy, black movie the other night. Uh, it wasn't sexy. It was just it was a gangster thing. And uh, this, it was very late at night. And in one scene, the, the man who's desperate to get a 100,000 pounds to save his mother, who's commission to go and kill somebody, a stranger he doesn't even know about. And he's so desperate to save his, his mother, who's in a wheelchair, that he agrees to do that. And he arrives, he's dropped off at the house where he's to do this deed, to murder this man while he slept, sleeps. And he, goes, he breaks into the house, and he goes quietly up the stairs, he goes into the bedroom and there's the man in bed. And he le- levels his gun and he's just about to pull the trigger when he says, Voice He says, God will forgive you, but will you ever forgive yourself? There is this this cheap, tacky movie that I end up finishing watching. I wonder oh, why I watched that. But in the middle of that darkness, there was this profound moment. This is the stuff that enslaves us. This is the stuff that traps us. This is the stuff on which we feel buried. The words of others, the condemnation, the judgment of others. It's that that Jesus has come to rescue us from. Do you know how he does it? Well, many of you do. He goes to the cross. He dies on the cross. He dies our death. The death sentence <laughs> that is upon us. The death sentence that is upon us becomes the death sentence upon him. And there is what what cleverer people and I call a substitution. It's a theological thing. There is atonement. And the accused walks free. That's me. That's you. Because the judgment that was mine becomes. his life on the line, when he got into that cigar tube, Phoenix tube, and was lowered down into that place. But he did it that his comrades, his colleagues, might have a safe journey to the surface, and all were saved. And for centuries now, and I'm winding up now, but for centuries now, Christians have have seen baptism as, as more than just an excuse for a party. And it's an excuse for a great party, don't get me wrong. But they've seen it as new earth, washing, cleansing. They've seen it that we go into the, we go into the baptism place, the river, the, the, you know, the, wherever it is, this, this pool. They've seen it as we go in as one person. future, one full of hope, love, friendship and fellowship, one full of purpose, yes, purpose for every single one of us, one that is the hallmark. Reckless, you lost your own life, only to be given it back again by Father God. It's most extraordinary of rescue missions. We want to thank you for saving those 33 miners. They honoured you, so why should we do less? They said that their salvation came from God, and why should we know better than they, who have been through so much? Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life, for it is.